if you've made yourself play small your entire life and done what everyone else wanted, felt uncomfortable setting boundaries, weren't sure if you were really being satisfied or seen or valued in any of your friendships or relationships or even your career life, I am so, so excited to tell you that the doors to my program, I'm Not Asking, are officially open. This entire program is a one-on-one, three-month program. So the two of us get to work together and do a deep dive into your life. This is the time where we can figure out where you might be self-sabotaging, where you're playing small, where you're holding yourself back so that we can amp up your self-worth, amp up your confidence, and really get you to the place of living your authentic life. Like this is so exciting and I have never released a program like this at all. By the time we finish the course, it'll be a new year. You'll get to really be the new you and this is all about you taking life in your own hands right it's called i'm not asking because you are not asking for permission from anyone else any longer you are not waiting around for anyone else to make decisions for you you are not waiting around to see how you can please everyone else or how you can sacrifice yourself this is the time for you to be there for yourself there are only four very special spots for this program total those are the only four spots that are going to be available until 2022 This program is self-care and shadow work and self-love and someone who only wants the best for you being there to hold space for you, to hold you accountable, to love you and encourage you and boost you up when you're feeling low. I can tell you that in my experiences getting coached one-on-one, I have had light speed growth that I would not be able to accomplish on my own, especially if you're struggling with self-doubt because as much as you are taking steps forward, you can also take steps backwards and having a coach who is there on your side who is able to remind you of the breakthroughs that you've already had who is able to remind you of the power that you hold and there to show you how capable you are it prevents a lot of that backtracking it prevents a lot of that self-sabotage so that we can continue to heal and move forward and step into that empowered version of yourself because it's in there right we just need to peel back the conditioning the limiting beliefs the layers that have tried to distract you from how capable and how beautiful you are if you are ready to apply or learn more make sure that you head to the show notes below that will take you to the page where you can learn even more about the program learn what it includes learn a little bit more about me and my coaching process and what you can expect from this incredible program from there you can apply if you're kind of iffy and you're not sure if you're in the right place those are all the things that we can figure out through the application process so even after you apply we'll have a conversation likely over email and for From there, we will get everything set in stone to begin coaching together in October. So this is honestly the most exciting, most detailed, most in-depth offering I've ever put out. This is my longest form program as well. So I know how much power is going to come out of this program. If you are ready to apply or learn more, make sure that you head to the show notes below. Welcome to Is It Worth It? The Self-Worth Podcast. My name is Roshni. I'm the founder of Self-Worth Coaching and the CEO of Beatty Grew Up, a content creation and coaching platform. This podcast and my work are dedicated to helping you become your most empowered self 
and to remind you to detach your self-worth from your external life experience. This is powerful work and I am so grateful that you are joining me for another episode. If you enjoyed this episode and you want to learn even more about self-worth and personal growth, I have links to all of my other content and platforms down in the show notes. You can visit my website www.betigrewup to see all the ways that you can work with me. From guided meditations to intensive one-on-one work, there is something available for every phase of your personal growth journey. Once again, you can find the links to everything in the show notes below. And without further ado, let's hop into this incredible episode. Today we are talking about signs that you may struggle with low self-worth. So jumping right into it, sign number one is feeling guilty for choosing yourself. Now, there is a lot of overlap here with toxic family systems and that being part of the reason why you are feeling guilty for choosing yourself. But I did want to leave in a trigger warning just to let you know that I am going to be talking about general aspects of a toxic family system and general aspects of narcissistic parents. And if that is something that you need to either take breaks with or that you can't listen to or that you need to skip through. I completely understand. Just do this at your own pace. You are in control of your healing. You've got this and I trust that you will know what you can and cannot listen to. So before we get into all of that, let's talk about what guilt really is. In times where it was incredibly difficult to survive, humans relied on one another in order to survive. So if you were kicked out of that group or of that cohort, then you would basically lose your chance of survival, right? So guilt exists so that we can stay one with the pack. But today, we don't really need guilt to help us survive in that way, it more helps us fit in. However, it depends on who you are fitting in with, right? So for a lot of people who feel guilty for choosing themselves, there can be a huge overlap with toxic family systems. So I ask you the question, where did you learn that choosing yourself was going against everyone or would cost you your sense of belonging? For a lot of us, we may have grown up with a family who was essentially either trying to control you or who was very much enmeshed, right? They wanted to do everything together. Maybe there were levels of codependency and it was all about being one tight-knit unit and you can't have interests that exist outside of that, right? If you have a narcissistic parent, a lot of the times they see you as an extension of themselves. They don't really accept you having different interests or making decisions that you wouldn't make because they see that as a threat, right? They see that as a threat for their control over you. They see that as a threat in terms of you not choosing them or not wanting to be like them or them losing that feeling of being kind of at the center of it all. And so when you think back about whether or not you can relate to any of those experiences, that can be a really interesting sign and a way to see how you may have developed this guilt around choosing yourself. But even if you do not exist within a toxic family system, the 
feeling guilty for choosing yourself is something that is still pervasive in our society. And a big reason why is when you are struggling with self-worth, you see yourself as a vessel to earn worth. You see worth outside of yourself. So it's essentially something that you have to earn, right? It's something that you have to earn from someone else because you are not intrinsically feeling that sense of self-worth. You are relying on other people to reflect that worth back to you. So if you are making your own decisions, if you are doing something that goes against what someone else wants for you, not only are you sacrificing to an extent that sense of belonging with that person who wants you to do something different, but you are also giving up that ability to feel worth, right? You're giving up that ability to have that worth reflected back to you. But that is exactly why choosing yourself is always the right decision because it is a step in finding that worth for yourself. It is a step in breaking the chain of needing other people to prove your worth to you and instead is actually putting you back in that position of power to say, I'm going to make this decision because it's something that I want to do. It's something that I'm interested in. It's something that I'm passionate about or that feels right for me and because of that that is my decision I'm going to stick with it I'm going to choose what's best for me and even if that brings up a lot of pain even if that brings up a lot of loneliness because you feel again that you are giving up that sense of belonging because you may face a lot of self-doubt because no one else is reflecting that worth back to you or giving you permission to make that decision that is exactly why this is something that strengthens your intrinsic sense sense of self-worth because you take away every ability to rely on everything else around you to reflect that worth back to you. It puts you in that position of power of saying, I am enough even if I don't have anyone else's approval. Even if everyone else is against my decision, I know that I'm making the right decision for me. And that builds that muscle of finding worth in yourself. And before I move on to the next section, I again want to touch on this idea of toxic family systems or narcissistic parents. Now, this may not apply to all of you, but something that I have been learning in my study of narcissistic parents, especially recently, is that there is a direct correlation with growing up in this kind of family system and having low self-worth as a child and continuing on into your adulthood. Because when you are growing up in this kind of family system, your brain is constantly trying to make meaning of your surroundings, right? That's just what happens when we are children. And even as adults, we try to make meaning out of situations. And so if you are in this abnormal family system where you are being yelled at or put down, where you're not able to make your own decisions even on little things like what you want to wear or what you want to eat, if you are being controlled or manipulated or not receiving care when you are expressing your emotions or crying, especially as a child, you are going to try to make meaning out of it, right? It's almost like we are healthy spirits, healthy souls, healthy brains in an abnormal system. So you as a child, your 
little precious brain is trying to make sense uh, out of all of the things in your environment that don't make any sense, including how you are treated, right? And that results in chronic shame and unworthiness. It translates to, I'm not good enough and I'm not unlovable because someone is yelling at me about crying. Someone is not letting me make any decisions. Someone's not giving me hugs. Someone's not comforting me. I always feel alone. And I know that a lot of this is might be triggering, it might be shocking. And that's one of the things that happens when you are an adult and you are healing from narcissistic abuse. And when you really start admitting that that is what you went through, when you start reading more about what the signs are of going through that, what signs are of people being narcissistic, or even just being toxic, you start to realize you kind of start to go into shock, right? You are like, how was I being treated like this? And the ugliness of all those situations start to show. When you are healing from this kind of thing as well, you will start to have flashbacks or have memories come back. And not all of them have to be completely traumatic, but you might see them from a new lens as an adult. So as you are in that stage of feeling in shock, feeling confused, feeling lost, feeling angry, you start to feel betrayed, right? And you start to realize that the problem was not with you. And that's why it is so important to consciously heal from these events in your life or to make an effort to see how these signs are reflecting in your life every day, right? Because you might think, okay, well, I was a kid then, now I'm grown up, now I have my own job and I have my own money and I'm not depending on them anymore. And, you know, you start to convince yourself that everything is really okay. But again, it's your body in a lot of cases, I'm not going to say this is a hard and fast rule, but in most cases, it's your body wanting to avoid the harsh truth of how you were treated, right? And so as a way of your deeper self wanting to protect you, it wants to convince you that you are fine or that you are just not good enough. And so that's your way of making meaning out of it. And again, that can connect into adulthood. That can really allow you to be someone who feels guilty for choosing themselves, who tends to people please, who tends to struggle with setting boundaries because none of those things have ever been respected before and your way of making sense out of the world you grew up in was to believe that you are not good enough. So even if you're not waking up every single day thinking that you are not good enough, that feeling still informs everything that you do. It informs the kind of relationships you allow yourself to be in. It informs the kind of pay that you accept for yourself, the kind of home environment that you accept for yourself even as an adult, even in terms of cleanliness or in terms of whether or not you allow yourself to buy nice things every once in a while, right? There's so many different ways that we hold ourselves back. And so this is something that I want you to ask yourself, can you relate or see any of these signs in your past, in your childhood? And if so, just know that it is not your fault that you are struggling with low self-worth. Nothing you experienced is your fault. And there are resources out there to help you. And you deserve to have a whole new life outside of those experiences. Those experiences do not get to hold you back forever. You deserve a good life. You deserve a full life. And the way to do that is seeing how those 
experiences in childhood may still be coloring your experience today. And again, it is not easy work. This isn't something that you should rush into, but maybe it's something that you can start looking up. There are so many resources out there that can help you if this is something that you have gone through. And I actually have an entire reel on my Instagram and my TikTok about resources that I use to help myself healing a couple of journal prompts that helped me kind of ease into this work. So feel free to check out my account over there if that is something you are interested in looking into. Sign number two that you struggle with low self-worth is that you tend to people-please. So people-pleasing is another way that we earn worth outside of ourselves, right? People-pleasing is essentially the act of sacrificing your own boundaries, sacrificing your own wants and needs, and prioritizing others above them, right? And for a lot of people who struggle with low self-worth, they have this feeling that they consider everyone their close friend, or they consider everyone one of their best friends but then they are no one's best friend do you know what I mean like this is the kind of experience when you feel like you go above and beyond for everyone else around you but then when you need someone you look around and no one is there and that is because when you are people pleasing chronically you are going to continually attract the kind of person who is willing to take advantage of that. So part of it is that you will attract that kind of person, but the other side of it is if you are not communicating your wants, your needs, your feelings, if you are not letting others really be there for you because you are not communicating them, then you are also going to perpetuate that cycle of pleasing everyone else, being there for everyone else, and then being resentful when no one is there for you, right? So we teach people how to treat us and this is part of that cycle. If you are willing to sacrifice yourself because you don't see worth in yourself but you see worth in everyone else around you and you see your self-sacrifice as a way to earn worth from everyone else, that is immediately going to lead to resentment because you're not just helping someone move because you want to help them move. You're doing it because you expect something back and what you expect back is appreciation, love, attention, etc. When you are people-pleasing, you are essentially seeing your efforts as a trade, your sacrifices as a trade. And so when you are people-pleasing, if you are struggling with low self-worth because you don't see value in yourself, you see value outside of yourself, or you see others as a way to earn value, earn worth, and so because of that, you are able to trade. It's essentially a trade. It's saying, I'm going to not communicate any of my boundaries. I'm going to avoid having boundaries at all. I'm going to avoid all of my personal wants and needs, but you're doing that for a reason, right? So you have to figure out for yourself, what is that trade? So when you are someone who tends to people please, you can actually use this as a journal prompt and ask yourself, what will I gain? What will I gain from people pleasing? What will I gain from helping this person with that favor when I really don't want to, right? And there is a difference between being nice and just doing something for someone else and actually people pleasing. The key to knowing if you are people pleasing is again that feeling of resentment, that feeling of I'm there for everyone and no one's there for me. Okay, so how can you be there for yourself? How can you communicate to the people around you that you need their help? And through that communication, you will open up the doors to figure out 
if they are your best friends or not, right? If they actually are there for you or not. And part of what people who struggle with self-worth deal with is the lack of wanting to communicate. And this again ties back to toxic family systems for a lot of us because we were taught that communicating doesn't help, right? If you are taught in your family actively as a child that your needs don't matter at all or they don't matter as much as your mom's and your dad's or maybe even the golden child sibling, then you are not just making up that feeling, right? People actually told you or treated you and showed you through their actions that you don't matter as much as someone else. And so again, that's where a lot of this low self-worth in adulthood can come from. But that is still something you can repair in adulthood through communication. And the reason, and I'm going to get into boundaries a little bit later, but communicating like, okay, I was here for you during your breakup. But when I needed help moving, you wouldn't help me. That really hurt my feelings and I would really appreciate your help because this is an extremely tough time for me. If the person is still refusing to help you even in a capacity that is possible for them, if they are just saying, no, I don't want to and I'm not going to, there's not a reason, there's nothing I can do um, continually, and if that happens a few times, or it's not due to any extraordinary circumstance, then that again is teaching you, okay, this person doesn't have my back and that's where I need to find better people in my life, right? Because there is that division between are you attracting people because you're easy to be taken advantage of or is it not that you are being taken advantage of but you are just not communicating what you need right and that communication is the first step and you have to have that trust in the other person that they will be there for you right and if you look at it from the perspective of I have to open up about my needs because either this person will be there for me and I will feel more loved than I have in a long time or I'm going to gain information about how this person probably doesn't need to be in my life or at least doesn't need to be in my life to this extent. And that information is what will help you continue to move on, continue to make better choices for yourself, and continue to allow you to prioritize yourself, right? Because if we go back to that prompt that I mentioned earlier, what will I gain from people-pleasing? What will I gain from doing this one thing even if I don't want to? If you are saying that, you know, what I realize that I actually just want this person to appreciate me. You know what? I realize that I actually just want everyone to love me. And if I do everything for everyone else and they have no choice but to love me, right? Those are pieces of information that can be really potent and that help you realize, okay, what I really want is love. What I really want is appreciation. And the good news is even if people in your life are actively not there for you and you come to realize even after communicating that you need to find new people in your life, that is still something that you can give to yourself. You can start giving yourself appreciation. You can start giving yourself love. And the most powerful people are the people that don't need to rely on anyone else for that. When they get that from other people, that is a beautiful bonus and a beautiful part of life. But they're not depending on it to feel that 
love. They are not depending on everyone else to feel that appreciation. And that is that key difference between understanding your worth and using people-pleasing as a way to find worth. And this comes from a chronic people-pleaser. I used to never set boundaries. I used to go places I didn't want to go. I used to do favors I didn't want to do. I used to pretend to have interests that I didn't really have because I just wanted to be loved. And I don't do that anymore. I manifested a whole new set of friends. I manifested a partner who I feel like we have a really healthy form of give and take. And all of those things wouldn't have happened if I hadn't told myself that, you know what, I'm drawing the line. I can't keep doing this for everyone else. And I can't feeling I can't keep feeling resentful that I'm doing this for everyone else. This has to stop. And so by starting to show myself love, by starting to show myself appreciation, by starting to manifest better friends, and by communicating my need through other people's actions, that gave me that permission to say, you know what, I do need to find better people in my life. You know what, I'm not willing to put up with this any longer. And that actually was the most beautiful and most empowering feeling I've had in so long. And realizing that and stopping my chronic people pleasing is actually the most major part of creating a whole new life with all new characters, right? If it hadn't been for those realizations, I and if it hadn't even been for that period of loneliness that I had to go through, I wouldn't have learned how to give myself that love. I wouldn't have learned how to begin repairing a lot of those wounds that I was feeling. So I just want you to know from one chronic people pleaser to another, if you also identify with that, that things can get so much better and you will find people who truly appreciate you and who truly love you. It's possible and it will happen for you. And you just have to know that you don't need to earn your worth from anyone else. You don't need to earn love from anyone else because that is a losing game. That is a cycle where you are just going to have to do more and more and more and you're not even sure if you're getting that love back because looking for love in everyone else is the problem. And this is something that has happened with some of my life coaching clients. A lot of my clients as at the beginning of when we're working together will essentially say, okay, well, this person doesn't do this. This person doesn't do this. How can I be happy if they're not doing this? And something that is a tough conversation that we often have to have is, okay, but where is your role in this? Where is your accountability in this, right? What can you do if no one else changes a thing? What can you do to maintain your happiness? What can you do to maintain your sanity? And that is something that is a really powerful lesson for a lot of my clients to realize that you can't control anyone else, right? You can't know what's going on in anyone else's head. You can't control anyone else. And this has happened even with clients who have their own kids, right? So I understand that your children obviously depend on you, need you, but at the same time, only you can depend on yourself for your happiness. And actually speaking of, you know, having children, one of the hardest things you can do for them is make them responsible for your happiness. That's tough in any friendship, in any partnership, and especially with your children, because no one else can truly wear the weight of someone else's happiness. And if you have the opposite of experience of being the child in that kind of family system, you know firsthand how much pressure it put on you, how frustrating is it is, how difficult it is, and how unheard you feel because someone else is putting off their personal power, their ability to feel happy onto you. And that is 
debilitating. It's impossible to wear that kind of pressure because it can't, again, we can't control anyone else. We can't make anyone else feel something that we want them to feel. And so starting with yourself and valuing yourself or working on that ability to see that worth within yourself is a major way to stop that cycle of people pleasing. Sign number three that you struggle with low self-worth is that you repeatedly experience burnout and or you identify as a workaholic, right? And so in terms of burnout, my last podcast episode with Dr. Mona Eshiker was an incredible deep dive into self-worth and burnout. So I highly recommend going back and listening to that. I heard a lot of great feedback that a lot of you really related to that episode and found a lot of wisdom and guidance in it. But what I want to say in this podcast episode is that when you are struggling with burnout, when you are essentially a workaholic, that production of work is what gives you worth, right? And on the other side of that worth, you get accolades, good grades, you get to impress others, you get to be awarded at work or recognized for always staying late and staying behind. And this is why we can't talk about workaholism without talking about capitalism, because capitalism reinforces these aspects that reward us for essentially sacrificing ourselves, right? Going above and beyond and always being at work. There is some recognition in that. And that's why so many people tend to kind of hide in that because it's a way that you get to be seen. It's a way that you get to be recognized, but you're also taking a lot of the emotions out of it, right? Maybe you are sitting behind and doing spreadsheets. Maybe you're doing some sort of office work or marketing or whatever it is, but that is almost like a smaller world within a world where, again, you have control. And so when you are a workaholic or when you struggle with burning out repeatedly, that part of you almost becomes an identity. And again, that identity is reinforced through our capitalist structure. But anything outside of work essentially becomes frivolous, right? And so you end up neglecting your family, your friends, you end up not prioritizing any amount of self-care, not having any other hobbies, because to you, everything else is seen as frivolous. Everything else is seen as extra or as indulgent or as selfish. And this is where a lot of that kind of societal programming around self-care being selfish is starting from. A lot of us have grown up with that mentality of work is more important than everything else. I need to prioritize my career above all else. And even if we look at media, books, TV shows, there's so much, especially in the times that if you are a millennial or older, a lot of the media that we have been shown a lot of the ideology that we've been brought up with emphasizes that everything else is just excessive or extra. And that's why there's been such a pushback when self-care really became mainstream and became something that a lot of people talked about. It was met with a lot of disdain and a lot of confusion because it's like, well, why would I care about myself? Why would I spend time on myself when work needs to be done? Things need to happen, you know, but what how does that benefit you? How does it benefit you to only think about work? And what's interesting is that through some studies on workaholics, they tend to be less effective because they can't delegate to the rest of their team. They often struggle with trusting others on their team to get the job done. And they often are sleep deprived. And again, we've all heard the studies where 
taking a couple of weeks off, going on a vacation can actually boost your ability to problem solve. It can boost your ability to be creative and it actually makes you a better employee. So telling yourself that you are the best because you care about work the most, you are the best because you sleep the least, that is actually counterintuitive because if you truly cared about work, if you truly cared about the end result, then you would approach it in a sustainable and holistic way. You would also let others help you because you trust that everything is done in a community, right? A one-man show, especially in a large company, is not going to work. And even in terms of myself running a small business. Yes, I don't have any other employees. It's pretty much me, myself, and I, but I ask for help when I can. I take breaks. I've had to learn how to work sustainably because putting on all that pressure, working nonstop, all it did was leave me injured and stressed out and in pain and it didn't allow me to produce content that was helping anyone because I couldn't help myself. I wanted to point that out and again you can hear a lot more about the story of how both Mona and I ended up experiencing serious injuries to our physical health because we were constantly burning out. Something that I thought was really interesting was that there was a study done in the Journal of Personality and Individual Differences about how workaholics tend to have low self-esteem and a big reason that motivated them to work was because they felt like in that work environment they had greater control. And what was so interesting as well about the idea of workaholics or people who burn out is that it doesn't actually mean you enjoy the work, you just feel compelled to do it. And that's something I really want to emphasize because again, it's about what are you getting at the other side of it, right? Are you doing it for that appreciation? Are you doing it for those accolades or for those awards that you get? And conversely, are you also doing it so that you can avoid other aspects of life, right? Again, work kind of exists in that bubble where things make sense, especially if you are maybe a researcher or you are an analyst or, you know, you do things that are a little bit more black and white. It can be really satisfying to a certain part of yourself to know that everything kind of has an answer or everything has a reason that caused it or there's a way to make sense out of things, right? And that feeling of being compelled to stay in that bubble where things make sense is such a sign that you are struggling to deal with uncertainty or deal with emotions. Those things are painful. Those things may not have a perfect clear reason. They may not come out in, they're not going to be reached or figured out through some sort of equation, right? And for a lot of people, that feeling of having to navigate emotions or dealing with unresolved pain is extremely difficult to bear and it becomes too much. And so because of that, you are compelled to work because that is something that makes sense. That is something that you can understand. And you're also being told by society that that is what you should be doing, right? Again, capitalism rewards people who go to work. Going to work is normal. Having a job is normal, right? And so because of that, it becomes easy to hide there. It becomes something that is completely accepted. And you may also get the added benefit of having a great salary, making a lot of money. You may also get the added benefit of those rewards and those recognitions, right? And so everything is basically creating this cocoon around yourself where you are able to live and exist in this bubble. But something about workaholics is that you also suffer 
from massive health benefits, right? Again, going back to the sleep deprivation or through the lack of ability to trust anyone else, even on your team, you have to realize that you are not doing this for the work because the work will benefit more if you have a more sustainable approach to that work, right? And so it's important to start separating these things and say, okay, what is it that I'm truly trying to avoid? And what's so funny is that I actually just started the show Grey's Anatomy. I think I'm only on like season two, but what's so interesting about the character that Sandra Oh plays, Christina Yang, she is dating one of the uh, surgeons and she always tends to hide in her work when she is in a fight with him or when she doesn't want to express how she feels emotionally. She tends to hide a lot of herself because she doesn't want to be vulnerable. And because of that, she buries herself in work. And it is something that she can make sense out of. It is a place where she feels she has greater control and greater influence. And the fact that she's a doctor also gives that added benefit, right? We are saving lives. And that is obviously more important than me dealing with my emotions or me having this conversation with Dr. Burke, right? And so that is just a quick example of how we can really use work to hide. And when you look at it in that show, it is so obvious, right? But in our real lives, it's really hard to actually see that or see how it's affecting us. And again, this also relates to seeing your body, seeing your time as a way to earn worth, right? If you are able to provide value for someone else, you are able to find a way to prove that you are worthy. You are able to find a way to prove that you belong. And it's much easier to do that in a company where you are already working than it is to go out into the real world and try to make friends and risk being rejected, right? There's a lot of that idea of us being vulnerable that we are trying to shield ourselves from. And experiencing that vulnerability, again, hurts even more when you have low self-worth. Allowing yourself to be vulnerable, though, is actually how you start to build self-esteem. Because, again, you are giving people the chance to show you that you belong. If you are not being vulnerable with anyone else, if you are not connecting with anyone else because you're burying yourself in your work, then, of course, you're going to have low self-worth and low self-esteem because you are hiding away from the things that humans need in order to feel like they belong, in order to feel like they are connected. And what's so interesting is that you may think that you are avoiding all of that emotional distress by burying yourself in work, but you burying yourself in work is actually proving that you are under emotional stress, right? That you are experiencing emotional pain or that you have in your past, and this is just an attempt to push it away. And that's something that happens when we start the healing process I didn't even know it was called this until recently but a lot of spiritual spiritualists will call it the dark night of the soul and I heavily experienced this when I realized how much of what I was experiencing in my life wasn't real how much I had been conditioned to do because I thought it was normal how much I realized I had been pushing things off for so long and when I started healing things started coming up and coming up and coming up and it was a lot to deal with. And this isn't to discourage you from the healing journey because again, it was maybe a year of my life where things were really bad, where I was struggling a lot, but that was the beginning of my healing. And since then, I've literally felt like a new person and continued to heal and grow in new ways and become someone that I'm so much more proud of than 
the person I was before. So I don't want to say this to scare you from your healing journey, but it is something that you should expect. And that's why it's so helpful and so important to have a therapist or a coach by your side that you can connect with so that someone can be there for you, someone can cheer you on, someone can remind you of what you are gaining in the feeling of loss. The fourth sign that you struggle with self-worth is that you also struggle to trust yourself. And you can recognize if you are having trouble trusting yourself by always needing someone else to validate your decisions, right? And even being indecisive at all can be a sign that you struggle to trust yourself and trust your inner voice. You might be the kind of person who wants to ask your best friend, then you, then you want to ask your mentor, then you want to ask your boss at work. You want to tell everyone about what's going on in your life and what decision you should make. You may find it difficult to know how to react or know how to hold your own in an argument, not in terms of any sort of debate, but a legitimate argument with your partner or with a friend because you don't trust if your emotions are telling you the truth, you don't trust if you deserve to feel the way that you do, and there can be a lot of confusion around navigating your emotions, knowing how you feel, knowing if you are valid in feeling that way. Because of that, you are asking everyone else to help you feel validated in any decisions that you make. You may also frequently need permission from everyone else to do the things that you want to do. So say, for example, you want to take a cooking class on Saturdays. Instead of just signing up, which is something that people who trust themselves and trust their inner voice will do, you might Google it a couple of times, then you look at the reviews, then you talk to your friends and you say, hey, I'm thinking about joining this cooking class. I don't know. What do you think? Should I do it? And they might say, I don't know. I mean, if you want to, and that answer might also infuriate you because you're like, okay, well, I asked you and you're not giving me a yes or a no. And I've experienced this a lot where I just, I don't know if I want to do what I want to do. And so I look for the answer in someone else. And that's never a good path to go down, right? Because you may be over-reliant on everyone else around you. And that may also make the people around you feel kind of helpless, right? It starts to really wear on your relationships when you have that constant need for validation. But again, this also relates to that toxic family system that I was talking about earlier. So a question that I'd like you to ask yourself is, who is benefiting from you not trusting yourself? Because this may also be a learned quality. So for example... My family often told me that I shouldn't make decisions without them or that I'm always going to make the wrong decisions so they have to be involved in every decision that I make. They may try to reverse decisions that I make for myself and tell me I shouldn't do that, I can't do that. Through that process of that being the entire way that I was raised, I wasn't really raised to think for myself, right? I was raised to do what other people told me. And obviously, that's not something that translates well into adulthood because it leads to you being taken advantage of. It leads to you being easy to control because you weren't taught how to validate yourself and trust your inner voice. And so it's really important to ask yourself, okay, was there ever a point where I was taught not to trust myself? And if I don't trust myself, who benefits from that? And again, these realizations may be a little bit painful, but it is an important step in the healing process. And this is also 
really relevant to women of South Asian culture. I can't speak for other cultures, but I know that a lot of people from different cultures have also related and said that it's similar in their culture or in their religion that, you know, you are often told what to do. You are told how to behave, what to do, who to be with. And when all of those decisions are made for you, of course, it's really foreign to trust yourself. And again, this really relates to the first point I made about how choosing yourself can make you feel guilty because when you are always told what to do when that is normal then any aspect of you choosing yourself is seen as rebellion it's seen as something wrong and this often doesn't just end when you turn 18 right for a lot of family systems it's and for a lot of cultures, this continues even into you getting married, even past that point, right? So trusting yourself is incredibly important, first of all, because it allows you to choose yourself. It allows you to have power over your own life, which you won't have if you are blindly following what everyone else tells you to do. There are so many upsides to learning how to trust yourself, and it is a long process. It is something that you are going to have to take time to do, and that was also actually my reason behind creating my self-trust course specifically for South Asian women and femmes. I know that there is such a big overlap between the culture and the way that we are brought up, the way that guilt is used as a tool to hold you down or to have control over your decisions, the way that asking for permission is seen as as something that you have to do, right? It all takes away your personal power. And that is really the biggest threat to self-worth. When you have no personal power, you don't see yourself as worthy. You don't see yourself as in control of yourself. You don't have any sense of agency. And that really brings down your sense of self-worth because you don't even have control over yourself. And so learning to trust yourself and trust your inner voice is going to be one of the most difficult things. And it starts with really small baby steps that eventually grow and evolve, right? And so one of the benefits of being able to trust yourself is that you can be more vulnerable, right? So in relation to my last point about how workaholics often hide in work to avoid vulnerability, a lot of that is because of fear. It's because of what has happened before when they allowed themselves to be vulnerable and how that backfired and so they want to hide away from that. But a massive antidote to fear of vulnerability is being able to trust yourself. The more that you trust yourself, the more that you know that you have your own back. So you don't have to offset your personal power to everyone else. You don't have to say, well, I can't trust anyone because they're going to screw me over because it doesn't matter if they even try to screw you over because you have your own back. So whether that results in you setting strong and strict boundaries that you always follow through with for that person who tried to screw you over, whether you have the personal power and the agency to cut that person out of your life, whether you trust yourself enough to not put yourself in a situation again that was difficult for you or where you got taken advantage of, those are all the benefits of trusting yourself, right? So instead of having to worry about, is this person going to screw me over? Is this going to be a bad situation for me? You know that regardless of what else happens, I have my own back. I have control over this situation because I'm choosing to take that control. I am choosing to have a sense of agency over myself and over my life. And that feeling of autonomy is what a lot of people are afraid of. This goes back to the witch wound. This goes back to patriarchy. But 
society is afraid of women having control of themselves. When you trust yourself, you can stop holding yourself back from the things that you want to do, from the places you want to go, from the people you want to be with. You can stop worrying about dating because you know that even if it's a bad date, you have your own back. You are going to do what it needs to be done in order to regain control of the situation, right? And that's why it's so important and so tied in with self-worth. And so speaking of not wanting validation from anyone else, not wanting permission, I want to help you stop feeling guilty for choosing yourself. I want to help you learn how to make decisions using your own mind, your own heart, your own intuition. I created I'm Not Asking, my three-month coaching program exactly for this reason. I titled it I'm Not Asking because you are done asking for permission. You are done asking for validation. You are done asking for everyone else to take over your life because you're afraid of making decisions. I'm Not Asking, my coaching program is all about finding that sense of agency within yourself. It's about taking away the societal conditioning, taking away a lot of the aspects that are holding you back so that you can be free, so that you can trust yourself, so that you can find worth in yourself even if everyone else around you isn't validating those decisions. It's about getting away from the cycle of burnout because you don't need to hide away from your emotions. You don't need to hide away from vulnerability because you now feel that you have enough reliance in yourself, enough trust in yourself to navigate situations that may make you vulnerable. It's the knowledge that that vulnerability is making you live life to the fullest and you choose that for yourself because you value yourself. It's also about releasing that need to people please because you are the one giving yourself that value and giving yourself that worth. You are acknowledging the worth that already exists inside of yourself. You are acknowledging the fact that you deserve to have boundaries, that you deserve to be treated the way that you want to be treated, and that is well. You are breaking away from those patterns that reinforce low self-worth in your life and are starting to attract people, places, opportunities that reflect your high self-worth back to you. And that is my goal in this program. This is a program that is designed for us to work together for three months so that we can get through some of the ups and downs, so that we can get past some of the dips where you are doubting yourself, where you are not sure if it's going to work out, where you want to return back to those familiar patterns, and we are going to get through it together. I'm here to remind you of your power because it's not that you you've ever lost your power, you've just forgotten it. And I want to help you find your way back to that. And that is why this is also a one-on-one -on -one program because I'm here to help you reach your own inner compass. And that is what gets me so excited about this program, right? Because like, I wish I had this. I wish I had someone that did this for me when I was struggling to figure out what my path was, when I was struggling with people pleasing and finding new friends and feeling lonely and not knowing if I could trust myself and feeling like I had to isolate because it was the only way that I could stay safe. I would have saved myself so much pain and grief if I had someone or a program like this that could guide me to my own inner compass. And that's something else that I wanted to mention here is that I recently just got done working with a one-on-one -on -one coach for the last two months. We wrapped up working together a couple of weeks ago and my growth was exponential from working with my coach. And a big reason why is because I would have taken so many steps backwards if it wasn't for my coach reminding me of 
what I had learned, reminding me of the lessons and the realizations that I had. And that's why coaching is so beautiful and so helpful because yes, you can heal yourself. You can coach yourself. And that is something that you will be doing even throughout this program and well after we work together, right? But a lot of the times you can get sucked into self-sabotage. You can get sucked into self-doubt and questioning yourself or needing someone else to validate you and then them giving you one answer and another friend giving you another answer and your parents giving you a third answer and then you still have to navigate through all of that on your own. And those are the things that contribute to that feeling of isolation, that feeling of being alone, that feeling of not knowing which way is up because you are so lost and so confused. That was the thought process that went into me creating I'm Not Asking. So the program itself, it's a three-month one-on-one program. So that means that every week we will have a 75-minute coaching session. This is really a program that exists for people like us, for people who have struggled with low self-worth, for people who may even come from toxic families or from families with narcissistic parents and learning how to find your power amidst all of that is a massive task and having someone by your side just makes it that much more possible, right? And especially because a lot of the times, like I said, we tend to struggle with validating ourselves. So having someone on your side who is able to reflect the truth back to you, able to reflect your power back to you is monumental. So like I said, there's going to be at least 12 75-minute sessions included. You also get access to me in between sessions. So whether it's email or WhatsApp, we will have the ability to talk back and forth. This is me using all of my years of experience as a coach, all of my experience using tools like neurolinguistic programming, emotional freedom technique, even using tarot if that is something that you are familiar with and would want me to use. Everything that I have learned and created and everything that I have learned from working with all of my clients informs my coaching process and having the lens of self-worth, having someone else who understands what a toxic family system can be like is so huge because healing from a toxic family is going to be a completely different process than healing without the experience of a toxic family, right? I just want you to know that I am someone who understands that experience. I am someone that can relate to you and will not gaslight you or will not tell you that they're your parents so it's okay. I will not tell you that, you know, you need to just listen to them or it doesn't really matter or family is family or that you should be over it by now. None of that exists in this coaching program because it is about meeting you where you are and helping you get to your next level and doing that through your own inner voice. It's about stripping away the conditioning and the you should be this, you should be that and actually getting to the core of who you are, who you want to be and how you can grow from there. So this is honestly something that I am so excited to put out into the world. I am so excited to share this and start talking about it because it's something, like I said, that I wish I had. I don't expect you to be perfect. I don't expect you to not make mistakes. I want to include your mistakes in this program. I want to include your self-doubt and your lack of motivation. That is something that we will work through together. So again, I just want you to know that this is not a space for judgment. This is not a space where you have to show up perfectly, even if you feel that pressure to be perfect. This is not 
a linear healing process. And I know that I expect that. And that is why I want to hold space for you because I know how difficult it can be. I know how easy it can be to slide back into that self-doubt and to backtrack into all those things that make you worried and feel like you are not enough. And I want to be there for you to remind you that you absolutely are enough, that you absolutely will have everything that you need to have to get to where you want to go and that you have that power, you have that sense of agency. And to have someone there to not just remind you those things, but to give you tools and who has experience and helping people work past these blocks is invaluable. So like I said, I know that this program is going to literally change lives. I just have so much trust in my myself in my coaching abilities and in you that this program will reach exactly who it needs to reach at the exact time that it needs to reach them and we are going to get you to your next level so I cannot wait I am so excited the doors are open until the end of September so you are able to sign up anytime until September 30th so it's going to begin in October and run from the three months from October to December it's going to end just in time for the new year it is going to be a wonderful way to start 2022 so if you want to sign up the way to do so is actually through the application form there's a place there where you can list any questions that you have for me and the application itself is really short and sweet I just want to make sure that we are absolutely aligned to work together all of the links are going to be in the show notes down below you can check out the page read more about the program read more about what's included and then fill out the really quick application form any questions that you have for me you can leave in the application form I will get back to you via email and I'm just so excited to connect with you on this deeper level that is all for this episode. I truly hope that you enjoyed it, that I can make another episode similar to this about more signs that you struggle with self-worth. So if that is something that you want or are interested in, please send me a DM on Instagram. I am at B-E-T-I grew up and I will definitely make it happen. Thank you so much as always for joining me for another episode of Is It Worth It? If you've been enjoying this episode and think it would be helpful for others, please make sure that you rate and review the podcast. It really helps me so, so much in supporting the podcast and helping it reach new audiences. And if you are able to write a review and email me a screenshot at hello at betigrewup.com, you'll be able to receive 10% off of any of my single session services. So that includes single session self-worth coaching and single session tarot readings. All links to my other content, my services are all going to be in the show notes below. Thank you again so, so much. I deeply appreciate your listenership and I hope you have a beautiful day ahead.